we're back. We're live. And I bet you didn't see this coming, but we had to close out the season. It's your boy, Matty G, the Omega-3 Poppy, the low-key OG. As always, here with Colby Patnode. How's it going, Colby? It's going pretty good, Matt. You know, decent Christmas. Um, and I need like uh, eight points tonight from Stefan Diggs to uh, defend my title as Week 16 overall high-scoring champion. So, uh, you know, a lot, a lot to play for tonight. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Good. Good to hear. Uh, you know, we have obviously the the championship is yet to be decided, which is perfect. It's just the way that you would want to draw it up. And it's not the first time that our championship game is, has come down to Monday night. As a matter of fact, I feel like it I feel like it does almost every every year. But before we get into things here, the Jamarcus has been decided. <laughs> and Cam found the trap door and he and he slid through the escape hatch. And left Derek for dead in the Jamarcus Bowl. Any thoughts? Anything to say? Um, yeah, you know, it, it's it's kind of a bummer uh, for Derek. Uh, I don't feel like he was the deserving winner of the Jamarcus, but I mean, at the end of the day, I guess he did deserve it since he uh, won and or lost it, um, depending on what uh, verbiage you want to use there. But uh, yeah, you know, it's just kind of a. Uh, a disappointing end to a disappointing season. Um, but, uh, you know, it's them's the break. Sometimes it's, uh, it's just, I'm just glad it's not me to be honest. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was, it, it, it got kind of close to being me, I guess. Um, amazing what happens when you actually bother to start two quarterbacks or even one, um, anything's possible when you do that. So, uh, yeah, it just, it's, uh, it's, I feel like this wasn't a, I mean, I don't, it's tough to say it's not a deserving Jamarcus because if you get the Jamarcus, you deserve it, right? I mean, it's not one of those things that you just kind of have that much bad luck. But um, it is, uh, you know, rather unfortunate for Derek to have to don that Jamarcus. And I don't know if we ever made this official, but I think he's got to pay up to $30 of the uh, league champions bid fee. Um, we, yes, we didn't We didn't actually ever make that official. But okay, we, so- we do... We need to we need to to earmark that for next year, you know. Make that's it something beforehand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something that we definitely should add just to make the Jamarcus even worse than it already is. Right. If you guys uh, just, I don't know if we explained that well uh, or not, but uh, basically Matt and I had this idea that to make the Jamarcus sting even worse, uh, that the winner of the Jamarcus or loser, whatever, again, depending on what verbiage you want to use. Uh, they would be responsible for putting up an additional $30 towards the champion's entry fee next year. So we do the draft pick auction again and Max wins the Jamarcus or Max wins the the championship this year. Then Derek would have to put up the first $30 in Max's, uh, you know, entry fee, uh, whatever Max decides for that to be. So, uh, yep, not this year, maybe next year. Um, but, uh, at least you don't have to do that, Derek. I, I think, uh, I think the Jamarcus jersey is is going to look pretty good on you, uh, mainly because it's not going on me, and that's all I care about. Um, but hey, that's okay. I got my Sam Darnold jersey right over my shoulder, so uh, it's. Uh, I also have a crappy quarterback jersey. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, maybe you should rock it to the draft next year. 
I might, I might. Um, <laughs> it's it's actually pretty good, man. It's it's stitched and uh, it's official NFL license, and I only paid thirty bucks for it, so uh, it's actually not a bad jersey. And I got the, the way, white. The way that Adam Gase has managed the end of the season here for the Jets, it looks like they might actually be rolling with Sam Darnold again next year uh, because they absolutely blew it uh, by winning. <laughs> By winning so, two in a row, <laughs> I know that's so jets. That it it is it is, but uh, I don't know, man. I, I I still think there's a decent quarterback in old Nancy Reagan. Um, I think he needs help, and they could start by firing Adam Gase. But uh, yeah, it's it's hard to argue right now that he's a a jersey worth owning, certainly. And uh, considering the number of duds he put up in fantasy this year, uh, yeah, it's it's. It's not a jersey I was happy to buy, but, you know, a bet's a bet, and I lost, so I paid up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Speaking of bets, we had plenty of board bets, and we had bold predictions, and that is what this episode is all about. We are going to go back. We are going to revisit the bets, the predictions, uh, even the Super Bowl predictions, everything uh, preseason. This was all stuff from August, so we'll hop into – the time machine and take you back a few months to the beginning of all this. It's it's we say this every year, but it's amazing to think that it's all over now. Well, after tonight, um, it always goes by so fast. But we get to go back and uh, for the most part, see how wrong we were and how much we thought we knew that we didn't actually know when this all started back at the end of August. Um, with that being said, um, and this was something that I really quickly I'll brush over here. Um, I've thought about this, and I have no expectations whatsoever. I don't think actually anybody that I talked to or made board bets with that was, you know, like, for example, I have a few on here with Cam, Tyler, whatever. Um, I don't think they were even aware of, like, you know, any sort of, like, compensation, whatever. I don't want that. I don't expect that. I don't want that. Um for anything that I was right on or whatever, I don't. I'm not concerned with any of that. As far as the bets that I made, my intentions are if uh, the bets that were designed, my guy versus your guy, that's a 50-50 proposition. I will honor that 100%. When I say I think this, and it's easy as somebody saying yes or no, those bets shouldn't be 50-50. Those bets should be. Um, there should be like stakes on those. So for example, if I make a bold prediction and I say, yo, I think this guy's going to be top five or whatever. And somebody says, I, d- I disagree. It doesn't really make sense to say, if I'm right, I get $5. And if you're right, or if I'm wrong, you get $5. That's not even how that would work in Vegas. So the stakes aren't really fair there. Um, it's not, yeah. it's so, so those, those aside, and also for me, truthfully, the, the goal of putting my, the, the idea of put your money where your mouth is, is to say things that you really mean. Because right. the problem in the past has been that people say things that they don't mean. But I always say what I mean. Um, so that's not going to keep me, keep me from being dishonest or keep me honest. In any case, let's get back and look at these bets. So the first one here, the first bet of the season, or at least the first one that I recorded on my notepad here, uh, was me and Tyler... This bet was co- very compelling, I suppose. Very, it was much more compelling <laughs> back in August than it, than it is now. 
Now it's just laughable. We're talking Seahawks tight ends, and that's all I have to say in order for people to get the laughs going. Uh, more points. Most points for 2020. We all know that Tyler loved his man, Will Disley. And I was in on Greg Olson. I don't. I didn't have any Greg Olson in fantasy, but it's Lucky not for you. A, it's not for a lack of trying. Yeah. See, you know what? Sometimes, sometimes you you win by not pulling the trigger. And trust me when I say that that has happened on a multitude of different occasions this year, as it pertains to trades for me. But that's a different conversation altogether. Um, so he was he was big on Disley. I was big on Olson. I think that these numbers that I'm going to throw out here include yesterday's games. I'm pretty confident that they do. Nonetheless, Disley, believe it or not, actually did edge out Olsen. Um, Disley uh, scored 46.6 fantasy points this season. Olsen uh, scored 41.9. However, he did miss four weeks, but, you know, mm-hmm. it is what it is, you know. Had Olsen played those four weeks, does he edge out Disley? We'll never know. Probably I mean, but but to say that he was the the favored Seahawks tight end in 2020 is not saying much. Greg Olson was not even remotely close to what I thought he was going to be this season. And as a matter of fact, I'd wager that Tyler would say that dis the same thing about Disley. You know, um, the Seahawks tight ends were a disaster for our fantasy purposes this year because it was a three-headed monster, um, and you never knew who was going to get theirs. And even when they got theirs, what does that look like? Maybe a touchdown if you're lucky? If you're um, lucky. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah. And if, if I had to guess, and, and I'll see, I guess I'll get your opinion on this, my guess on why that is, why because in years past, the Seahawks really have utilized the tight end um, you know, as, as one of the more prominent um, weapons on the offense. I, if I had to wager, I would say, or guess, I guess, I'm, I'm going to go out. This theory, it, my theory is perhaps it has something to do with the emergence of DK Metcalf this year. Yeah, I think that's that's probably right. Um, you know, Seattle also kind of had the, uh, the four-week stretch there where they were just like one of the worst offenses in football, something we didn't see coming as well. Um, it's interesting to note that uh, Jacob Hollister actually finished the year as the number one Seahawks tight end uh, by fantasy points. Um, and he never put up a 10 point performance. <laughs> so, I mean, it's um, yeah, it just, it wasn't a good season to own Seahawks tight ends as I am well aware of. It's just, uh, <laughs> you know, they kind of, they kind of rotated those guys through. Uh, I bet if you combined all of the Seahawks tight end numbers, They'd be okay, you know. Certainly, top twenty-eight, which is not you know anything great, but in a fourteen-team two tight end league, it's usable. The problem is, is that you know you take a let's say the twenty-fifth tight end, and you split his you know targets by three, and it's it's just a mess that nobody wants to be any part of. Um, so yeah, it's it's it was kind of sort of interesting. I mean, you said that. Uh, what Disley had forty seven points, forty six point six, yep. And uh, Olson had forty one, yep, forty one point nine. And uh, Hollister had fifty two. So you add those all up, that's one hundred and forty points. That's actually a tight end one. That's the yeah. thing is that it was crazy. I didn't know this until yesterday. I was digging through through stats um, 
because I was having a conversation with somebody about the tight end this year in fantasy. And, and obviously we all know that Kittle missed a chunk of this year. So for fantasy purposes, really you had Kelsey uh, who had a historic year. You had um, Waller who was, who was really great. And most people would never know this if you, if you hadn't been, you know, looking at the numbers. Do you want to t- gander a guess? Maybe you know. Who's the number three tight end on the year? Is it Hawkinson? Nope. I I think he's up there, though. It was not somebody that I ever would have guessed. It was um, Robert Tunyon. Oh, I mean, that kind of makes sense now that... But yeah, initially, no. Yeah, I Robert, think of that, but, he was yeah. the number three tight end coming into last night's game. And it's because... Pretty much every week, and I didn't know this, but pretty much every week he scores. Um, he doesn't put up gaudy yardage totals or reception totals, but he's just scored a lot. And and that makes sense because you think about Aaron Rodgers last year. He didn't throw as many touchdowns as, as he has in years past. And we've sort of seen a resurgence here with his touchdown rate. Well, why is that? Well, a huge part of that, I would say, is because he is utilizing the tight end in the red zone. And you just take one quick gander at Robert Tunyon's line and it speaks for itself. So, so to your point though, about Seahawks tight ends, you're hundred percent right. Just because I have numbers here um, with some of the other bets and, and predictions and stuff. Um, if you add all of those Seahawks tight end numbers together, you, you, you have a bona fide tight end one, but it's just uh, that they, they took that production and split it among three. Right. I, I actually did the quick math on the air, so uh, that's always a risk. Um, but I look at the combined numbers of these three tight ends, and the Seahawks tight ends ended up with 101 targets, um, 61, or I'm sorry, uh, 71 receptions for 673 yards and six touchdowns. Which is that's great. tight end one. Yep. Yeah, that's great for a tight end, but mm-hmm. um, not when it's divided by three. No, exactly. That's exactly right. You get to the point where it's where you divide those numbers by three, and now you're looking at a desperation tight end two. And or you know you could be like me, and that's basically your tight end one for the entire year. So uh, probably had something <laughs> something to do with my demise, but uh, you know, lesson learned. Sure. Um, well. That's probably a little bit more tight end Seahawks tight end talk than people were expecting on here. But hey, that's a conversation that we had coming into the year. There were high hopes for, you know, Disley and Olsen for that matter. Um, and we were um, grossly disappointed and wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next bet here, what, <clears throat> excuse me, was Tyler said that Jimmy G was going to put up more points than Big Ben. Um Jimmy G put up 68.3 points this season, but he did miss most of the season, whereas Big Ben finished as a low-end QB1 with 311.2 points. That's just one of those tough bets where if a player misses most of the season due to injury, obviously they never had a chance. That being said, I would wager that if Jimmy G didn't miss most of the season, he still wouldn't have put up more points than Ben. And we're talking about an old Big Ben coming off of Tommy John surgery, which is I think unprecedented for a quarterback. Um, and now all the conversation in the media is about how he can't throw the ball deep and so on and so forth. Anyways, tired conversation, but that was a bet that was not, um, 
remotely compelling. Um, and and also, actually, on that point, what's next for Jimmy G with the Niners? We'll find out. I don't know. I think it's a very fair question to ask. I mean, like, dude, are they really going to ride with Jimmy G next year? It, and maybe maybe even a better question is, suppose suppose that they don't want to. Do they have an out? I don't know. I don't know what the contract looks like. I don't know if there's any way for them to get out from under that deal. But I'd wager that they would probably they would probably like to. It, I think there's an escape hatch they can take. It'll still obviously affect their cap, uh, but not not you know substantially enough that they shouldn't consider it. Um, you know, I'm wondering if the 49ers lose this Sunday would they have a shot at a a Justin Fields or a Zach Wilson or a Trey Lance? Um, Because Trevor Lawrence is going to be a Jacksonville Jaguar. Um, That's, that's just lock that in to stone right now. Um, So could they get one of those young quarterbacks? I mean, if they could, that would be very nice for 49ers fans. Not, not so great for Seahawks fans. Um, But uh, yeah, you know, I, I think, I mean, would they be significant if they could trade Jimmy G for like a fourth round pick and they had to start Nick Mullins or CJ beat hard for a year? They'd probably be better off in the long term than giving Jimmy Garoppolo another shot. Um, he's just the dude's just mediocre. I mean, there's just really no way around it. We may have, you know, it's been the rise and fall of a lot of players this year and you know, I know yesterday I was talking about Dwayne Haskins, but Jimmy G might be among them. And and some might argue for no fault of his own because he was hurt this year. But, hey, I'm sorry. He wasn't available even when he was available. Wasn't great. So, I don't know. Something to keep an eye on. Um, the next... uh, real fast. Uh, Dwayne Haskins officially released. Was he actually? Yes. By the By the Washington football team. Uh, I don't know who else would release him, but yes. Well, no, I didn't know if you were talking about like no, 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 in real life, in real life. Wow. Well, it's about time. Good riddance. And also, let's be honest. If that's the case, like I think his career's over. Who's gonna Who's gonna sign him? Who's gonna bring him on? He is. He's been absolutely. He's been absolutely horrendous on the football field, and he's been absolutely horrendous off the football field. This guy's yeah. worse than he's worse, far worse than a uh, Jameis Winston or a Cam Newton as far as his conduct off the field, uh, and he's not even remotely close to those guys on the field, and that's really saying something because Cam Newton was a certified bum this year. I'm, I'm pretty confident that Jameis Winston, you know, sexually assaulted a few women. So uh, let's let's. Uh... I don't know if he's worse off the field than those guys, but uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think Haskins, uh, he goes on waivers now. Nobody's going to claim him. You'd have to take on his rookie contract, and while it's a rookie contract, it's still the 15th overall pick, so it, it's still pretty pricey. Honestly, I could see the Seahawks putting him on this practice squad. Uh, not not this year, but I think you know, you know, you look at when the season's over, I could see them giving him a futures contract um, to kind of come in and you know, compete for the backup job and you know how much the Seahawks believe in their environment and how it can help anybody. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think that part of Pete Carroll's ever going to change. Now, whether or not they, they trust Dwayne Haskins, I mean, they shouldn't. 
but uh, there is at least some upside there. Uh, and he's probably better than, than Geno Smith. Um, so I, I wouldn't be too shocked if Seattle gave him a call this, this spring and offered him, you know, a practice squad spot or even like one year, $1 million or something like that to come be the backup behind Russ. Um, I, I think somebody will give him a shot. Uh, if not to start, then as a backup that maybe they can, they can groom and, hope he matures and they can flip or something like that. I, I think he'll get one more shot, but uh, I mean, <laughs> he, he goes, to, he goes to the strip club, right. Or whatever. He has the strippers over in COVID, no mask. Uh, doesn't really take accountability for it. Has an awful game of the Sunday. And then like avoid tries to avoid the media uh, after that loss. Uh, then he goes, then he eventually talks to them and he calls it. This is the worst week of my life. And it's like, dude, you got caught partying and you played like crap. I, I just, I mean, there's a lot worse going on in the world right now. Just, it was just so tone deaf. And like, if that's the worst week of your life, you've lived a pretty privileged life. So it, it's just, it's, uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's not good. It's not good. Let me ask you this. Would you rather take a shot on him or Josh Rosen? Well, I saw that Josh Rosen landed in San Francisco, correct? He is. Yes. On their, uh, I think he signed a one-year deal, so he's competing for their uh, competing. He might, heck, he might play this weekend. I think, honestly, I think I would rather go with Rosen, but I know that a lot of people would disagree with that. The thing for me is, from a from a pure play, like from a, a pure play standpoint, they're both not. They both haven't been great, and what from what we've seen. But I'm not concerned about Josh Rosen from a character standpoint or like an off the field decision making standpoint i'm concerned about josh rosen in a toughness standpoint the dude's a wimp he had a hot tub in his in his dorm room at ucla the guy he tapped out against u-dub like literally tapped out against u-dub not even like a great u-dub team just a good u-dub team and he just didn't want any part of that like the guy's soft he's not accurate he's soft i just i would rather take the chance on Dwayne haskins but truth be told I would like to stay away from both of them very much. So, <laughs> trick that, question. Yeah, <laughs> the correct answer is neither. Yeah. Anyways, sure. too much time on those media on those shitty backup quarterbacks. So. It's all good. It's all good. Anyway, so moving on here, let's see if we can cruise through some of these and make up some time. So, um, this next one was David Johnson, top fourteen running back. Of course, I was on the yes side. You said no. He missed four weeks this year and most of week nine and finished as the RB22 in standard. So close. Who knows? Maybe, I mean, you can't, you, I mean, you can't say, well, what about those four, five weeks he didn't play? Well, he didn't fucking play. But had he played, hey, yeah. I don't know. He might have staked yeah. in there. He, he might have. But part but of the assumption, part of the reason you bet against David Johnson is. His injuries. Yeah. 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 So, I mean. On a week by week basis, he was pretty good, and he helped lead me to a championship in our dynasty, a championship appearance uh, that I am unfortunately going to lose because Derrick Henry didn't do jack shit. But uh, second year in a row, Derrick Henry has totally fucked me in week sixteen in that league. But what are you going to do? Thanks a lot, uh, Derrick Henry. Yeah, such a bum. Ugh. Those seventeen hundred yards, man. <laughs> <laughs> they don't matter. They don't happen in week sixteen, Matt. Yeah, fair Jesus. enough. But in, I mean, he did help me knock you out of the playoffs in round one. So or that's round true. That is true. So I mean, I guess I can't be too mad at him. But uh, <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's uh, 
Yeah, I think, you know, David Johnson was probably better than I thought he was going to be. Uh, I'll admit to that. On a week-by-week basis, he probably finished in the top, you know, 14. I would say most weeks he was healthy. Yeah. That would be my guess or right around there. That's so, why, yeah, that's he, why the, the lesson learned here is be smarter than me. And if you're going to make a bet, with including David Johnson, as a top 14 running back, make sure that it's, you know, make sure that you hedge and say on a week-by-week basis as opposed or, to saying overall. Right, or get you know odds uh, that favor you, like you get three to one odds or whatever. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, um, so this next bet was between you and TJ. Um, I wasn't there for this one. You just told me about it. It was uh, Rivers versus Newton. Most points <laughs> oh twenty twenty. Uh, Rivers scored two hundred fifty three point six points this season, and Newton scored two hundred point two before tonight. Let's not rule out the possibility <laughs> that Newton blows up against the Buffalo Bills. But Let's I, okay, but but I, you know, all things considered here, it's going to be a little bit closer than it looks right now. Um, in all likelihood, Rivers does edge out Newton. Um, well, I think you know, again, this kind of goes back to what you were talking about with David Johnson. Uh, Cam Newton gets COVID. Uh, you know, he missed another game. I think. Uh, but yeah, I mean, neither quarterback has been, you know, somebody you, you would, you love to start in fantasy. You probably have to in this league if you have them, uh, cause not many teams have three quarterbacks, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Newton's, Newton was a disappointment. Um, I felt really good about this bet after like week two, mm-hmm. but as the season wore on, it became pretty clear. Cam Newton is just, he's toast. Um, yeah. Warm, crunchy toast. I wonder what's next for him. We'll find out, but Russell I mean- Wilson's backup. Maybe well, if it's gonna if maybe wait, so they're gonna bring in Newton and Haskins. Sure, why not? <laughs> okay. Uh, the next bet here was Hayden Hurst, top five. Obviously, it was a yes, yes and no. I said yes. He finished tight in thirteen. This bet actually looked pretty good for mm-hmm. me uh, about halfway through the year, and then I don't really know what happened. I mean, I I couldn't tell you. I mean, Jacksonville or excuse me, um, you know, Atlanta's offense. Uh, you know, didn't have Julio for a lot of late in the year. And so you think that would help Hurst? It really didn't. Um, I think maybe if anything, all it really did was force them to, you know, force more targets Ridley's way, even though Ridley's kind of been dealing with an ankle for a huge portion of the year. Um, Ridley's been a monster and um, Hurst was fine. He was good. He wasn't top five. And frankly, being a top five tight end doesn't really, in 2020, doesn't really hold very much water, um, sadly, because like I said, the number three was Robert Tunyon, and nobody would have ever guessed it or predicted that. Um, so really, it was kind of like a, you either had the two, you either had the two big horses, and then it was a whole lot of underwhelming guys. Although, like I said, I guess Tunyon was scoring every week, so he would, maybe he wasn't underwhelming. But not a lot to love at the tight end position this year. No question about it. Um, moving it'll on to... Just, it'll be interesting to see um, how this year's tight end class or tight end group kind of affects how they get drafted next year. You know what I mean? Um, this was the first year with two tight ends, so it's kind of... It was kind of a learning experiment for everybody. And uh, obviously, you know, you kind of look at, 
uh, a lot of the teams that did well seem to have those the top tight ends. Uh, you know, Brian made the playoffs with Waller. Obviously, Max is in the championship with Kelsey. Um, you know, uh, if not for a kind of freakish Joe Burrow injury, um, you know, Cam's probably in the playoffs himself. Uh, really a Joe Mixon injury, too. But, uh, yeah, you know, it just kind of seems like the teams that had the tight ends, you know, did really well. And then the teams that didn't, it was a struggle. Um as I can attest. So it'll be interesting to see how the, uh, you know, how we approach tight ends next year and next year's draft. Yeah, no, no doubt. It'll be a, it'll be something that we'll have to, you know, think long and hard about and talk about it and see how we want to proceed there. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I know there's a, there's a, there's opinions all over the map. So that's one of those, that's one of those things for sure that we'll have to talk about. Um, this next bet here was TJ and he, more, more, excuse me, more points in 2020. TJ took Gallup, Michael Gallup. I took DK Metcalf. I don't think we need to discuss that one any further. Nope. Um, but for those who are wondering, Gallup had 136.9 points. Metcalf had 224.2. Um, yeah, so it was close. I mean, I was worried. I was, I was worried about it coming into week 16, but. Um, <laughs> Anyways, Tyler in this next bet took Disley again in a in a bet. He took Disley against Jasicki, who I took. Disley had forty six point six, as I previously mentioned. Mike Jasicki had one hundred twenty five point six. So again, uh, pretty close. I think Jasicki was like tight end six or something. Um, so there you go on that one. Next one was a really strange bet. It was combined points. Uh, Cam took his two tight ends that he drafted. I took my two tight ends that I drafted. So it was Noah Fant and Jonu Smith for Cam and Hayden Hurst and Mike Jasicki for me. Uh, Fant had 111.5 points. Jonu had 118.4, which is a total of 229.9. Hurst had 110.3. And Jasicki had 125.6 for a total of 235.9. So a six-point... Six points separated the two groups, and my group barely edged out his group. So, that's a good bet right there. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. It's just a lot of like you know, young kind of ascending tight ends. Um, although, although like I said, you know, I, I, I in my in my view, like you know, Johnu started really hot. Hurst started the season off pretty well, and then it just kind of wasn't the same late in the year. Um, but nonetheless, you know, that, that, so it goes. That's the way it goes at tight end. That was a really close bet. Um, then we had another one between me and Cam. Cam took Burrow. I took Rivers on the year. Um, Burrow, 181.7 points, missed five weeks. Um, Rivers, 253.6. I would concede that had Burrow not, you know, fucked up his knee, um, he he very likely would have um, edged out Rivers. I think that it's not, it's hardly controversial in my view, but I also am not, uh, I'm not very high on Rivers. Rivers was, Rivers finished the year, I think he was like, you know, QB 22 or something like that. Um, And then the final one here, this one, I, I didn't realize this until, this must have been a bet that we made on the last podcast before I was yeah. gone for peak. I didn't realize you totally 
snaked me here. But it doesn't matter because even if you hadn't snaked me here, you still would have been right. Most points, week 11 to week 16, you took Logan Thomas, I took Evan Ingram. When I looked at this bet, I was like, I don't even have to look at it. I know that I know that Logan Thomas had the one monster week uh, where he had like 20 targets or whatever. I'm sure that he has more points. And he does, of course. The one thing that I didn't realize, or maybe I just forgot, I think I made this bet and didn't even realize that Evan Ingram had a week 11 bye. Um, so, of course, he's not going to edge out Logan Thomas when he has, you know, when we're talking about one less week. Uh, but nonetheless, Logan Thomas, in that span of time here, late in the year, 67.22 uh, fantasy points. Evan Ingram had only 37. So, I, I, not, not even close. I thought we made that bet from week 12 to week. Because I'm pretty sure you, you said you would take uh, Evan Ingram if he hadn't if he wasn't on bye. And I said I would give you the bye week and we would start in week 12. Okay. Well, one way I or another, that, but... one way or another, I wrote it down as week 11 to week 16. And even if we did do that, uh, Logan Thomas still shits on him. So um, Logan Thomas, I think, had like the second or third most targets at tight end through um, for the season, I think, actually, was the stat that I saw. I could actually verify that. I kind of want to verify that right now. Um, stats, tight end, season, targets. Uh, we need... Okay, let's see. Here. here we go. So, he had the fourth. Fourth most targets. It was Kelsey with 145 Waller with 136, Evan Ingram with 105, and Logan Thomas with 104. Amazing. Things that you would you would never would have predicted, never would have foreseen. Um, but Logan Thomas has really turned it on late in the year here. Like I said, really from week 12, like that window that you kind of chose there, it's funny because from a fantasy perspective, a lot of red, a lot of a lot of what they would call bad matchups didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Just didn't matter. He put up he put up big numbers at the tight end spot. He had his best stretch of the season late in the year. So, um, if you bought Logan Thomas at the trade deadline, you're winning. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, so that does it for the quote unquote board bets. Um, let's talk about bold predictions now. No, before- let's not. Now, you know what's funny is last year I felt like I did pretty well. Um, this year I feel like almost everybody did real bad. Like it was pretty awful. And and, and think, the thing for me is the bold predictions are the 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 most fun. It's it's the it's my it's my favorite part of this whole ordeal. In August, you're trying to forecast what's going to happen over the course of the next three months, and so everyone, you know, tries to the best of their ability to to come up with some, you know, to come up with something bold that, you know, that's counterintuitive or whatever. Some of some people did surprisingly well here. Um, I'll say for me, my portfolio of work here, awful. Not proud of it whatsoever. Back to the drawing board. Really, I mean, you try to, you want to, you want to, you want to hit at least fifty percent of them. You'd like to. Last year I did well. This year, no. Terrible. So let's hop into these. The first one, 
was TJ. He said that Washington was going to go nine and seven and make the playoffs. Um, the football team is currently six and nine and sits at first place in the NFC East. And they play at Philly next week, so they're not going to go nine and seven, but they very well may uh, win the division and represent the NFC East in the playoffs. Um, so not not bad here, you know, not something that I would have predicted. Um, so uh, that's TJ's one bet that he threw out here. Scott threw out a couple for us. So Scott and 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 these are very specific. At least his first one. Scott said that Herbert was going to finish the final six games of the season for the Chargers, and he and in that span he was going to put up better stats than Joe Burrow and Tua, who would start less than three games for the Dolphins. Well, as we know, Tua actually started more than three games for the Dolphins, but what really matters here is Herbert. He started most of the season uh, for the Chargers, I think all but the first week, he finished top 10 at quarterback. Um, so that being said, Scott didn't really say one way or another what where he was going to finish. But um, I don't think even the most optimistic Justin Herbert fan would have predicted that he was going to be a top 10 quarterback in fantasy this year. But um, I think probably, unless I'm forgetting somebody, I don't think I am. Very likely rookie of the year. Um, mm-hmm. And he had a great year. There's just no way around it. Um Scott also had Cam Newton as a top 10 quarterback. Uh, Newton is currently QB 20 coming into Monday night. Um, And he had Detroit winning the NFC North. They currently sit in last place, fired their head coach and their GM. Um, He had Brandon Cooks uh, going off in Houston. Um, Brandon Cooks is the wide receiver 26. Um, And then he had me in the Jamarcus Bowl. But... Instead, I was in the playoffs again. So, um, that's Scott. How'd he do? (laughs) I mean, there's some hit and miss. I mean, technically, he is right. Herbert did start the final six games. Um, And he did outscore Joe Burrow and Tua in those six games. Um, So, I mean, technically, he's right about that. Um, Although, I don't think the spirit of his bold prediction was uh, particularly accurate. Um, Yeah, the, the Lions thing was certainly bold. Um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to poke fun at Scott. The point of bold predictions, you know, are, is to be bold, right? I mean, uh-huh. it's, it's right yep. in the title. So, uh, you know, Scott went for it and, uh, I think he actually did. He did okay. As far as bold predictions go, um, certainly better than I did. And, uh, I, I think, uh, I don't remember your bold predictions off the top of my head, but I'm going to, they were awful. To, I was going to say, I'm going to venture to say they're pretty damn bad. Yeah, they were awful. Um, you're right, though. I'm going to give anybody that I talk about in this list here, give I give them props because be, because I love these bold predictions so much. I love this whole idea. Uh, and then just the, you know, the, the fact that we get to look back on them right now and talk about them and assess them and kind of laugh at, at some of the things that we said. Um, I really kind of pressed the issue when, when the season was starting to try to get people to play along. So if you played along, thank you. I really great. I appreciate that. Um, and that goes for everybody here. So Tyler's bold predictions here were literally what you would expect. If you know Tyler, you know his predictions are all going to be about the Seahawks. So he says that Carson, I'll go through and just rattle all these off and then just assess the one. Uh, he says 
Carson wins the rushing title. Hawks D's top five. The Hawks are going to win the Super Bowl. Russell's going to be the NFL MVP and the Super Bowl MVP. Um, Carson missed four weeks entirely and currently has 637 receiving yards. The current rushing leader is Derrick Henry at 1,777 yards. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Carson struggled with his health this year, and and even that aside, Derrick Henry has had an absolutely sensational season. So um, we can't really speak one way or another on a lot of these other predictions because the season's not over yet. The NFL season's not over yet. We don't know if the Seahawks won the Super Bowl or if Russ is going to be the Super Bowl MVP. He probably isn't going to be the NFL MVP, although it looked it looked pretty good about halfway through the year. I'd say at this stage of the game, you're looking at either Mahomes or Rodgers. Uh, yeah, and then Hawks D top five. I mean, they've looked pretty damn good this last month. If he had put the caveat of like week 10 on, he'd probably be right. Yeah, so. Yeah, um, I did a, I wrote an article for a Seahawk Maven looking at some of the interesting stats that have been happening lately. And do you know the Seahawks since uh, since the week after the Arizona game? I think uh, they were average, they were allowing like 270 total yards per game, which in context is about 30 yards better than what Pittsburgh had done all season. Uh, wow. So, yeah, they, they've been legit top five uh, in yards and points and sacks for about the last six weeks, give or take, um, five weeks, six weeks. So, uh, yeah, it just the first eight weeks were awful. So, uh, but yeah, they're they're definitely humming now. Sure. Um Moving on to Cam's bold predictions here. Cam said that the Niners won't make the playoffs because of Jimmy G, which is technically right. I mean, kind of. It's kind of right. I mean, Jimmy G has missed most of the year. and the I, don't Niners... how, uh, I don't know how bold that was, but yeah, it's, it's, it's accurate. Yeah. Um, he also said that the Cardinals will finish second in the West. They currently, they're currently 8-7. Yeah, they're currently eight and seven and play the nine and six Rams in LA week seventeen. So I don't really know what the, how the tiebreaker situation there works if the Cardinals win. If the Cardinals win, they're in. Would they be yeah. the two? Would they finish yep. second in the West? Yep. There you go. So Cam might actually be right there. I kind of like that prediction. Uh, he had Joe Burrow finishing as a top ten quarterback, which I think would have been right had Burrow not gotten hurt. Pretty close. Yeah. Um, and then he said the Ravens would miss the playoffs which they will not. No, um, they still can. But they will not. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying they can. So technically yeah. camp could go three for three. That'd be something else. But actually what we're probably looking at in all likelihood, and I hate to say it, the Browns are probably going to lose to Pittsburgh next week, and then they're going to be the ones that get bumped, and Indy it will displace them. But we'll see. Time will tell. I hope I'm wrong. That would be very Cleveland Browns, and my heart would go out to the city of Cleveland if that happened. But, you know, we'll see. That's what happens when your entire receiving core goes on the COVID list the day before your game against the Jets that you should have won, but you had all your receiving weapons that you have built rapport with over the course of the season are on the sideline and ineligible for the game. And then you lose to the shit-ass Jets. But, hey... Shit happens. So, um, all right. Brian had one bold prediction here. He said that Clyde Edwards-Elair would have 1,000 yards rushing and 1,000 yards receiving. 
Um, Clyde has 803 yards rushing and 290 yards receiving in 13 games. So um, not a, you know, fantasy god performance, but surely not awful for a rookie. I mean, he was fine, but not 1,000 rushing, 1,000 receiving. Um, This is probably a dumb question. Has anybody ever done that? 1,000 yards rushing and receiving? Yeah. Um, Marshall Falk did it. Okay. Uh, And I think there was one who did it recently. I don't think it was Kamara a few years. Like, Kamara's breakout year, not last year, but the year before. Mm -hmm. No, no, McCaffrey. McCaffrey did it. Okay. Okay, okay. Makes sense. Damn. That's something else. Well, anyways... Clyde did not do it, maybe next year, but if I had to wager, I don't think that Andy Reid has any interest in that. But, we'll, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. It could ha- Anything could happen in the Chiefs' offense. Isaiah predicted that, the, that David Johnson would finish higher than Kamara. Uh, nope. Kamara scored six touchdowns in Week 16 in one of the most historic fantasy performances we've ever seen and is currently the RB1 overall. So, Hey, you want to hear some sad shit about that? First of all, Alvin Kamara probably is the reason I'm not in the playoffs. So thank you for saving all six of those touchdowns for the meaningless week 16 matchup. Much appreciated. Um, second, Sean Payton's a jackass for not giving Kamara his seventh. Instead, you just had to give the ball to Taysom Hill, who is god awful, by the way. Um, third, I'm I have a championship matchup in a money league where I have Alvin Kamara, and I'm probably going to lose. <laughs> so. Uh, the guy I'm playing now, it's a two-week matchup, so week 17 counts. I don't know why I set the league up like that. It's just oversight on my part, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy that I'm playing happens to have the old Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams stack. So after last night, I'm down by like 30. <laughs> so, oh, God. So, yeah, I, I'm probably going to lose with Alvin Kamara in a championship matchup. So, uh, yeah, also I'm really mad at Alvin Kamara. Uh, more specifically, Sean Payton and Taysom Hill. <laughs> oh my god Dems the yeah, I, I, take, I take no responsibility for my failures this year it's all Sean Payton and Taysom Hill's fault <laughs> yeah, oh nothing to do god. with my shitty tight ends or Russell Wilson playing like crap for four weeks it's all Sean Payton's fault racist well listen I'm a little salty about Alvin Kamara last season and he really didn't come through for me at all and so you should be <laughs> grateful that he did anything for you at all this year I am but, grateful for the good weeks. I'm just I'm pissed that Taysom Hill decided that he's the only person alive who could stop Alvin Kamara. So sad, man. And it's going to be even sadder when Breeze hangs it up. We yeah. all saw what what not having Breeze did to Kamara, and uh, it's going to be interesting. We'll set it's something to yeah. keep an eye on moving forward. But real real fast, do you think less of Sean Payton now that he clearly shows that he thinks that Taysom Hill is a better answer than? Jameis Winston because I kind of do that that's that yeah I kind of do beyond stupid like, yeah like, I mean I know Taysom turn or excuse me I know that uh that Jameis probably turns the ball over uh a little bit more than most of these offensive juggernaut uh minds would prefer but um I mean all things you know all, all that aside think about first of all that was last year that he had 30 picks but even before that, he was, you know, he would, he would, he would never threw that many interceptions. So you got to think, like, are we really going to hold that one year against the guy? 
Yeah, by the way, he also went over 5,000 yards, and his team almost made the playoffs despite all his turnovers. Um, I think I would I would have gone with Jameis, but um, I guess we'll find out. You know, if Jameis is the guy in 2021, we'll find out how wise that was. Maybe that proves to be catastrophic. I don't know. Um, but surely I don't think that, that Taysom Hill is the long-term answer for the for the New Orleans Saints at quarterback. I mean, look at what the guy did. Even if you want to put aside what he's done this year in the NFL, I mean, you just look at what he did in college. This guy has never proven to be any sort of a prolific passer. Uh, you know, he turns the ball over a fair amount himself, if we're going to be honest. so um, he's, he's Mormon Tim Tebow without the historic college career. Like, that that's who Taysom Hill is. That's he's fair. a joke. You know, I think he. I think I like him as a an offensive weapon as they've utilized him. But to to ask him to shoulder the load of a franchise quarterback that seems like you're asking a bit much. Also, by the way, he's like 32 years old, so it's not even like he's a young guy who's going to get better. Yeah. Like at this stage, he is what he is, which is like you said, he's a gadget player. Yeah, Whatever. he's really good at that, and, um, yep. and 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 really, from that perspective, I kind of feel like Sean Payton really sort of like, you know, sort of made that a thing, you know. And, and if it and if it wasn't the, if he wasn't the first of his kind, it you know it was sort of like an idea that was revived um, because of Sean Payton. So um, yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I agree with you though, as far as answering your question. Yeah, I kind of do think a little less of him for for giving the ball to Taysom Hill over over Jameis Winston um but in fairness to Sean Payton like really hopefully he can manage this offseason in a manner where he has a better option than either one of those guys um and all he really needs is somebody who can kind of replicate what Drew Brees does you know throw completions and take care of the football mm-hmm. um so in any case, all right, so this next, this next, this is fun. Steven, Stevens, we already know where he's going here, you know. Uh, he said that Jacksonville was going to make the playoffs and that Minshew Mania was going to sweep the nation. Uh, Jacksonville won all of one game and Minshew uh, lost his job and was benched for the bulk of the season. Um, and he also said that, just kind of snowballing on top of that, that Tampa Bay wouldn't be the best team in Florida. So I'm going to pretend like none of those things were actually said and we can move on. Jake's prediction, Jake's bold predictions, the Titans wouldn't be 500 and Derrick Henry would finish outside the top 10 running backs. The Titans are currently 10 and five um, tied for the crown in the AFC South with the Colts. And Henry is currently the RB three overall and the um, rushing leader. Um, now let's get to the good shit, which is you and I chalking down five each and <laughs> and trying to give our best bold predictions. Ugh. So here we go. Laugh it up, friends. Laugh it up. I know I do. My first one was that Edelman would be a wide receiver one. Edelman played six games. Six games. And if I had to say... Maybe we could, maybe I'll hit my five and then you hit your five. And in the meantime, when we talk about our five, what went wrong? 
That's that's kind of a fun game to play here. What went wrong? I'll tell you exactly what went wrong with Edelman. I chose to overlook the fact that the guy's like 34 years old. Um, and I was really kind of looking at the fact that he got it done last year. I also chose to overlook the fact that, you know, Cam Newton was potentially toast. Never in my wildest dreams would I have thought that Cam Newton as a passer would have been as, I don't even know what adjective you want to use, utterly incompetent. I mean, as he's been this year. And for those who are wondering, oh, well, how incompetent has he been? Uh, through 13 games of NFL football, and this, this is, of course, before this before tonight's game, uh, the guy has a 5-10 to 10 touchdown-to-interception ratio, that being 5 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Um, for context, uh, well, I thought the bulk of those touchdowns came in the Seattle game. The bulk of his yards came in the Seattle game, his passing yards. He threw 397 of his 2,381 passing yards in the one game against Seattle at the beginning of the year. And by far and away, the bulk of his value this year for fantasy has come uh, rushing, where he has 489 rushing yards and 11 scores. Cam Newton has been just a dumpster fire, just a total, a total epic fail for the Patriots. And, um, and so that's really what went wrong for Edelman, despite the fact that, you know, of course, the obvious, he's an old player who got injured and hasn't returned from injury. And I chose to overlook that and I shouldn't have. Um, so that's what went wrong there. Uh, Hayden Hurst, top five tight ends. Uh, like I said earlier, he finished tight end 13. What went wrong? Nothing. Um, he just didn't finish top five. I mean, it was a bold prediction. Uh, he was, he was fine. He was decent. He was, you know, as far as tight ends are concerned. My next one was Cooks over Fuller, um, in Houston. Cooks scored 157.4 fantasy points in 14 games. Um, Fuller scored 162.4 in 11 games. So three games less played for Fuller and still more points than Cooks. So I was wrong about Cooks being better than Fuller. And I said that Cooks would be a borderline wide receiver one. He finished um, as wide receiver 26. So he was really like a low-end two, mid to low-end two. Um, Jonathan Taylor, RB1. That one I hit on. Jonathan Taylor is the RB7 right now overall. Um, That being said, yeah, that being said, (laughs) The bulk of that production came the last four or five weeks because Frank Reich hates me and you and doesn't give a shit about your fantasy football team. Um, And finally, Greg Olson, tight end one. He is currently the tight end 46 in standard. So how did I do? Um, One for five. As far as bold predictions are concerned, I suppose not bad, but still not not up to my standards. I did much better last year. So now what I'm going to do... Oh, sorry. What went wrong with Greg Olson? We already talked about that. What went wrong is that the Seahawks decided that they were going to use three tight ends instead of one, like they had in the past. They didn't just feature Greg Olson, even when he was healthy. They had a strong rotation. Um, so do you how? Okay. 
I'll go ahead and read off your predictions and the results, and you can speak on them. So the first one for you was Robert Woods would be the wide receiver one overall. I had no idea how this one was going to end up. Do you want to do you want to wager a guess on what where he finished? Wide receiver nineteen. Wide receiver twelve. Oh. He was actually good, man. He was actually, and he's been good, you know? And that's that's the Robert Woods game, I feel, is that the name Robert Woods doesn't really, you know, when you draft Robert Woods, no one's, you're not going to get the little golf clap. No one's going to clap you on the back or say, what a hell of a pick. No. But he's going to produce. Yeah, he's he's kind of Julian Edelman with Tom Brady, right? It's It's not... Nobody's excited about it, but yeah, you know, it's it's a wide receiver one. Um, not the wide receiver one, but a wide receiver one. Uh, probably more likely a wide receiver two. Uh, you feel really good about that. But uh, yeah, he's been, you know, pretty solid this year. Um, nowhere near the wide receiver one, but that's okay. It's, it's a bold prediction. Um, and uh, what went wrong? Well, I mean, Jared Goff is certainly pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> also, you know, this is, again, I this. I think this was my, I think I rated this as my spiciest take. It didn't end up being so, but I think it, uh, I think it, uh, at the time it was, um, also it's totally contradictory to what I, one of my earlier poll predictions. So I didn't even realize that until now, but, uh, no, I, I just, you know, it was just, a probably just, a an overcalculation. I just really liked Robert Woods coming into the year and, I don't think I had him in any of my leagues. I play in six leagues. I think I have him in one. Uh, So, yeah, so I I really liked him, but apparently not as much as I thought because I never really got a hold of him. Um, So it's, um, yeah, you know, I I just, what went wrong? It's just too bold of a prediction, I think. I I mean, I don't, like I said, it, it it was a bold prediction, and I was trying to be super bold with that one. Um, so for, you know, what I considered my boldest prediction at the time, I, I feel like that one I actually got relatively in the ballpark of. Sure. I, I don't actually don't, I don't agree with, I don't disagree with that at all. Like I said, Robert Woods finishing as the 12th receiver is quite good. Better than most people would have mm-hmm. thought, um, coming into the year. This spiciest prediction for you has got to be the second one. Duke Johnson is greater than David Johnson. Duke finished as the RB56 in PPR. David finished as the RB25 in PPR. Yeah. Um, David Johnson wasn't as cooked as I thought. And uh, he was uh, honestly healthier than I thought he would be. Um, Duke Johnson's a weird man. It just seems like every year we're kind of like, you know, this is a this is a sleeper guy. and I mean, he could break out and... You know, you go through all the reasons David Johnson wasn't very good with Arizona. He's been hurt. Uh, Texans probably going to be playing down a lot, so they're going to use their, you know, their pass catching running back a lot. And it just, you know, there were times where where Duke Johnson was usable for like a week, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just, um, you know, David Johnson just just not as done as I thought he was going to be. He still got a little bit of life in those legs. Um, overall, I feel like I, I more or less nailed the David Johnson uh, valuation on my end, uh, in terms of, I didn't have him in a lot of leagues. I inherited him in a dynasty league, uh, and I wasn't able to trade him. So he's been on my team in that league all year, but that's the only league I have him in. I just, I feel like he's, you know, a me, a mid range running back too. And I think that's basically where he ended up. So, um, 
yeah, I feel like my evaluation on David Johnson was correct, but the uh, my evaluation on Duke Johnson and his usage was way off. So uh, yeah, it just like I said, I, I'm not I'm not too happy with how any of these predictions went. So uh, except for the Robert Wood. Well, no, this next one here's my most my most favorite bold prediction of the whole season. You had Deontay Johnson as being better than Juju. Now this is interesting mm-hmm. because if you it, it depends on how you want to assess this. Let's look at standard and let's look at PPR. So in PPR, uh, uh, Deontay is the wide receiver 19, whereas Juju is the wide receiver 17 in PPR. But in standard, Deontay is wide receiver 27 and Juju is wide receiver 30. So these guys are basically neck and neck. And and so, frankly... um, you know, it depends on how you want to look at it. I call this, I'd call this one a win for you. I think that the fact that most people had Juju over Deontay coming into the year, and basically they were neck and neck. And frankly, from just a straight perception standpoint in the fantasy landscape right now, I think most people, maybe not everybody, but most people would probably say if you had to choose one Pittsburgh receiver for fantasy purposes, who are you going to take? Most people would probably say Deontay at this point, wouldn't you say? I, I think so. Um, you know, I remember making this bet, and it was, well, Juju's going in round four or five. Uh, Deontay at the time was going in round eight or nine. Uh, so to me, it was just those two guys are, are pretty close, I, I thought. So I'll take the, you know, it's it's the same with the running back principle. Uh, two headed, three hundred, three headed monster in uh, in a backfield. Take the least expensive one, uh, and that's kind of was my theory here. And so, yeah, I mean, I, it's I would call it at worst, it's a wash, um, because we kind of play half point PPR, so that's not you know, uh, those ranks don't get. Uh, it's it's funny how often people are you know fantasy sites they show you full point PPR and they show you non PPR, but they don't really like to show you where the guy ranked you know half point PPR. Um, and those, those half points on the, on the catches, they can really add up. So, um, I would, I would call this one a wash at, at worst for me. Um, but yeah, I, f- I feel pretty good about it. I think my, my process here was sound and, you know, you could argue that the results were, uh, were as I predicted. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that one too, actually. Yeah. Um, this next one though, put this one on the total opposite end of the spectrum and, <laughs> and all we have to do is look at your team and know that you came around on this one. Yeah. You had you had Diggs outside the top thirty receivers. Um, Diggs is currently uh, wide receiver nine in standard and wide receiver four in PPR, and that's before Monday yes. Night Football tonight. Before so his last game, he's a bona fide stud. And yeah. and and in your defense here, before you take the floor, I mean, you know, it really Josh Allen and and the way that he has emerged this year in terms of his. Uh, passing volume, completions, uh, touchdown percentage, uh, you know, his his ascension, you know, his development, however you want to look at it, uh, you know, in 2020, I don't, you, could you have forecasted that? Did anybody actually really forecast that? I don't think, I don't think there was anything you could have looked at in the Josh Allen profile, in the Josh Allen you know, the stats that he had accumulated through two two years of NFL football, nobody 
is looking at these at these stats, these numbers, and saying, well, you know what? I think this guy is going to learn how to complete uh, passes at an elite rate, and you know he's going to take care of the football and better than ever before, and you know. But hey, what do I yeah. know? I'm just saying. I think if we're if we're being fair, if we're being fair, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Had had we known that, and had there had there been anything that we could have looked at to say, you know what? I think this is. I think this is within the range of outcomes for Josh Allen. Well, at that point, you know, Stephon Diggs is obviously his top receiving weapon. Maybe we maybe we come into the year a little bit more bullish on Stephon Diggs. Yeah. Uh, you know, what went wrong here was more me being stupid by focusing so much on Josh Allen and not understanding or not realizing or not, you know, placing in my valuation just how good Stephon Diggs is. And obviously, like you said, Josh Allen got, you know, significantly better in a way that none of us saw coming, not even Steven who drafted the guy. Uh, Notice Steven didn't make any bold predictions about Josh Allen. Um, So yeah, it just, you know, Josh Allen is probably the most improved player in fantasy. Um, He's a bona fide star and he's, he might be a first round pick next year. Um, Or he's going to be one of the top five quarterbacks off the board. Uh, at the very least. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's Diggs. Um, like I said, I'm happy to be wrong. I, I, I benefited from Diggs for the last couple of weeks, although not enough to, uh, to really make a difference for me. But, uh, no, yeah, I, I was clearly wrong. Not only was Josh Allen good enough to uh, make Stephon Diggs the top 10 wide receiver, possibly as high as top five, depending on how big his game is tonight, uh, he was also good enough to make another wide receiver totally viable, Cole Beasley. So, uh, love it. It's, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was definitely more wrong on Josh Allen than uh, probably any other player that I put a valuation on. I, w- I was probably off on Allen more than any other guy. You and me both. You and me both. And I'm sure there's people listening to this right now, and they're just taking their little victory parade. They're just so they're just so happy to hear it. Hey, I'll own it. I was wrong about Josh Allen this year, but but on that token, I would say let's see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see him do it again. I need to see it again. Yeah, I'm not saying it can't happen. Now we know it can happen. But am I gonna say? Am I gonna disregard his first two years and put everything, all my belief and stock, into what we just saw? Ah. I don't know if I'm ready to do that yet. <laughs> you heard it here for first, folks. Uh, Matty G's first pick next year is going to be Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Could you imagine? <laughs> not. <laughs> oh, I shoot. can, actually. I, I legitimately can. Uh, maybe not you, but I, I would not be shocked at all if Josh Allen went top 10. Yeah. Um, like I said, it's, it's, he's been great. There's really no way around it. Sure. Uh, and then your final prediction here was Minshew over Goff. And, of course, Goff is the QB 15, and we already talked about Minshew getting benched. And he was he was the QB 26 in nine games. That being said, Minshew, while it won't happen in Jacksonville, of course, unless they keep him around as a backup, and I would advise them actually to do that because yeah. that would give them probably the strongest QB room in the league um, if they draft Trevor Lawrence, which they would will but but um if Minshew's future does not lie with Jacksonville he deserves another chance 
that's all I'm going to say about that. I What do you think? Yeah, I think Minshew, had he played 16 games and had he not broken his thumb, uh, you know, and then tried to play through it for a couple of weeks, uh, I think, you know, if you put these two guys on the same roster, I think Minshew's the better quarterback, to be honest with you. Um, that says a lot more about Jared Goff, in my mind, than it does Gardner Minshew. But uh, I, I still think Minshew can start in this league. I don't think he's a guy that you build around a championship guy. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I think he's probably, honestly, I think he's probably fits magic for the next generation. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to start for a bunch of teams. He might get a year, maybe two, um, and then he'll move on and he'll kind of bounce around. He'll collect his checks, uh, be the crazy guy that we already, you know, love. And then uh, he's just going to end up, you know, he'll be a guy that you look up at 10 years from now. He'll have started a hundred games and, um, you know, been about, you know, you know, make some really good play. He'll be good enough that people will wonder, Hey, can we build around this guy? But ultimately, you know, the answer is no. So I think, I think Minshew is, I think if Minshew was healthy for the entire year, I think I actually win this one. So I, I really don't, I think what went wrong is that Minshew got hurt and then he tried to play through it. And then he got benched for a team that uh, honestly Minshew is, you know, Minshew is good enough that Jacksonville might not have the number one pick if they play him. Uh, I think, yeah, I know. think that he was sort of like a sacrificial lamb for them where they're like, we need to sit this guy, you know, because, because if we don't, then, you know, I mean, think about it. They beat the Colts week, week one, you know? Yeah. So they're like, we, we can't keep rolling with this guy because if we do, then he's going to, we're going to have, uh, you know, we're not going to make the playoffs obviously, but we're going to win too many games to have one of those top tier picks to get our pick of the litter here with the next crop of quarterbacks. Yep. I mean, it, it is funny. Random note, the rise, the rise of Mike Glennon randomly in the middle of the year is one of the, uh, the funnier fantasy moments. And he was like really good for two weeks. Um, so it's, it is kind of crazy that they went with Glennon and, he was actually really productive for a couple of weeks uh, before they went back to Minshew and then they benched Minshew again. And so it was, it's pretty clear the Jags had no interest in winning any of their games um, going forward. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I still feel like Minshew is the better fantasy. If Minshew goes to a, uh, I don't know, let's say Gardner Minshew is a starting quarterback for San Francisco next year. Uh, just throwing that out there and, and Goff is the starting quarterback for the Rams. I'd probably rather draft, you know, I, I would draft Gardner Minshew or I would rank Gardner Minshew ahead of Jared Goff entering the year. So I, I, I don't feel too bad about this one. It's definitely a swing and a miss. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's a strikeout, but I feel like the, the process was correct here. So. Sure. And like I said, my whole point is just that you look at these numbers and you say, Oh, Minshew QB 26 in nine games. He got benched, blah, blah. Listen, I'm saying this as somebody who graduated from UW. Minshew is is he deserves to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, and if he and if he doesn't get another shot, that's a shame. He's probably going to be the best backup quarterback in the league. That's all. That that's it's just that plain and simple. From what we've seen from Gardner Minshew on the football field with a terrible Jacksonville football team, by the way, not a lot of help there. Um, yeah, this guy can play a little bit. So, just saying. Um, all right, Super Bowl predictions. Super Bowl predictions. Coming into the year, we had some predictions. A lot of them were relatively the same. 
not a lot of people kind of going off the well-beaten path, but a few of them. So let's revisit what we were saying uh, back in August. So we have Derek had Baltimore and Seattle in the Super Bowl. Cam had the Saints and the Chiefs. Garza just said Ravens because, of course. Uh, Max had the Chiefs and the Niners. So that one was kind of off the off the well-beaten path here with the Niners coming out of the NFC. But, you know, to Max's credit, they had a lot of injuries. So the Niners, while, you know, obviously not even remotely close to what they were last year, the fact that they are where they are right now, I think they've got seven wins. Uh, pretty damn impressive. Uh, to, to get to that point with the number of injuries they've had, they would have been a lot better had they not had all those injuries this year. Uh, Brian had the Chiefs and the Hawks. TJ had the Chiefs and the Saints. I had the Saints over the Steelers. Uh, Jake had KC in New Orleans. You had the Seahawks and the Chiefs. Isaiah had the Chiefs and the Hawks. Tyler had the Hawks and the Chiefs. And then Scott had Tampa Bay versus Pittsburgh, um, which was also one that was a little bit less um, conventional here. A lot of Chiefs, a lot of Hawks, some Saints. Uh, yeah. So Baltimore, a little bit of Pittsburgh. Uh, here we are through 16 weeks of NFL football, uh, of course, after Monday night tonight. Um, at this stage of the game, I think we have a pretty pretty clear picture here. Maybe you'll disagree with me. I'll just give my um, thoughts as concisely as possible. In the AFC, the Chiefs are in a class of their own. Truthfully, they are. I think they're in a class of their own. The, the teams, and I said this on the, the, the league chat yesterday, and some people wanted to laugh. Hey, that's okay. The teams that I think have the best shot to, to upset the Chiefs in the playoffs would be Pittsburgh and Baltimore, but I don't think either one of them is going to do it. I've got the Chiefs coming out of the AFC. Um, in the NFC, we can have a conversation. And I, I've already said this, but really I see you know the Packers – I see the Seahawks, um, I see the Saints, and I see the Buccaneers. I would say, in my opinion, those are probably the four most compelling NFC franchises as we move into the playoffs here. Um, Because, of course, I'm not going to pick out anybody in the East. Um, So when we look at these four teams, if I have to pick one, and I, and I honestly hadn't really thought about it too much until right now. It could be any of them. I suppose I suppose with the way they're playing and, of course, the MVP race really being Mahomes and Rodgers, you're probably going to go with the Packers. If you have to make a pick, you're probably going to go with the Packers. Um, I think... I think I'm, I'm surprised with... With, uh, you know, New Orleans, and they're just not, you know, maybe part of it is just not having Breeze for about a month here. Um, I want it, so badly I want it, I want it to be the Saints. And I really want Breeze to win the Super Bowl right off into the sunset. But you have to be able to see past that. Could that happen? Of course it could happen. Um, What's most likely to happen well, it's in, in, in all likelihood, it'll be between the Packers, Saints, and Seahawks, in my opinion. Um, and I guess I'm rooting for the Hawks, but 
if I'm going to go on the record, it's so boring, but I guess I'll take the Packers. So at this stage of the game, you're probably looking at Chiefs Packers, um, and and if I have to, and if I had to pick a winner in that game, uh, give me the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are the best team in the league. Still, I think they, I think the Chiefs will repeat if you know if I have to go on the record. But right. don't count out the Hawks. No, I, I think the the Chiefs are kind of in a class by themselves in terms of like uh, NFL power rankings. I think they're clearly, you know, a step ahead of everybody else. Although it is worth noting out that they probably should have lost that game to the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Uh, also fun note. Do you want, do you know how many uh, dropped interceptions Patrick Mahomes has thrown this year? How many? 16. Wow. So that feels like something that might catch up with the chiefs at some point. But it hasn't yet, and if A.J. Terrell catches that ball, the Falcons probably win that game. And they probably should have anyways because they got a, a 39-yard field goal for their Pro Bowl kicker to, to send the game to overtime at least, and he missed. Mm-hmm. So um, despite the Chiefs being great, they, they're still you know vulnerable, and that, that's a bad Atlanta defense that held them to, well, what, 17 points or whatever it was. So, I mean, I mean they were at home too. It's I just, I feel like the NFL, when you break it down this year, I, I think maybe there's one truly great team. And I think it's the Chiefs. Um, obviously, you know, yesterday notwithstanding, they, they've been just so good all year and so consistent all year. Um, but they've also played a lot of really close games this year. I, I think their last. Uh, I think their last six or seven games have been decided by five points or less or something like that. I mean, it's it's crazy how many close games they're playing this year, but they're winning them because, frankly, they have Patrick Mahomes and the other team doesn't. Um, but aside from them, if you even want to put them in their own separate tier, I think the rest is there's just some good but deeply flawed teams. And mm-hmm. I think that tier is probably like 12 deep. And then you have like five or six mediocre teams, and then the rest are just kind of garbage. So it feels like the NFL has more parity this year than ever before, um, which makes it really tough to handicap. Uh, you know, like I, I would say that uh, Green Bay probably has the best odds, although, you know, Chicago's playing really well right now. And if Chicago can knock off Green Bay and, you know, Carolina, who's feisty, can knock off the Saints. Seattle wins and they, they have home field advantage. Uh, so it's, it's kind of crazy to me that while green Bay's probably, probably has fewer holes than the rest of the NFC, they're not like markedly better than any of them. And, uh, it just, you can run on green Bay, you know, last night, notwithstanding, but I feel like, for example, if Seattle has to travel to Lambeau, I mean, that, that's tough because of the environment. There's not going to be fans, right? So home field advantage really doesn't matter that much aside from weather. Uh, but I feel like Seattle could really do some damage against that defense by running at them uh, a lot. And then Seattle's defense, I don't know. who you know What, what Seattle defense are we going to get? Uh, because while they p- played great, and yesterday was kind of their, their statement game, uh, they still haven't faced a good quarterback in a long time. Uh, you know, Jared Goff, if Jared Goff is the best quarterback you faced in the last, you know, two months, that that's not much of a test if we're being honest. So, 
Um, I guess Kyler Murray, you throw him in there, a banged up Kyler Murray, but, uh, but it's just, I don't know. It's just tough to know if this defense can really, um, you know, shut down an elite quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. And thankfully I think Aaron Rodgers is really the only elite quarterback uh, that Seattle will face uh, in the playoffs. If, if Seattle is the three seed and they get the Rams, let's say as a six, um, I think they win that game. And then they head to new Orleans and play new Orleans in a dome stadium in July or in July in, in the middle of winter. That, that probably benefits Russell Wilson. Honestly, we're talking, we know how much Russell kind of struggles in weather. Uh, the Saints have a really good defense, but Drew Brees, you're not afraid that he's going to beat you over the top all that often. Uh, so it really comes down to can you contain Alvin Kamara? And I think Seattle probably can. Um, I think things are shaping up pretty well for Seattle to get to the NFC Championship game. Uh, if they have to go to Lambeau to get to the Super Bowl, that's going to be really tough. And I think Green Bay probably wins that matchup 60% of the time. At, at Lambeau Field, I think probably is, it's pretty fair to say they, they'd win three out of five. Um, so, yeah, it, it's wide open in the NFC. I, I think the Chiefs are probably going to to represent the uh, AFC again. Um, I do think Tennessee, if they get in, they could cause some issues for them. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts have a legit defense. I think they can cause some problems for them. So there's really not like a clear cut to me, at least there's not a clear cut, like this is going to be the matchup and I feel really confident about it. Um, but if I had to pick, I, I, I would probably, I would probably, you know, go chalk like you do. I'll take the two number one seeds. Um, they have the two best quarterbacks on the planet right now. Um, I would take the chiefs to win that matchup. Although I think it would be another very good game. Um, but I, I think Seattle is absolutely a threat and, depending on, you know, what Drew Brees you get, the the Saints can absolutely get there as well from the NFC. Um, it's interesting is if Washington wins their division, which is going to be tough, but if they win, they're in. They probably host the Bucks. I might take Washington to win that game. Oh. The, let, just hear, how did Tom Brady lose to the Giants in those Super Bowls? Pass rush. Four-man rush. You get to him. You take away his quick checkdowns. You're not gonna. He's not gonna beat you over the top, really, all that often at all. Um, and Washington actually has some pretty good corners, so I think they can handle Evans and Godwin. Um, can they handle Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski? I, I don't know, but I think that four man rush can get to Brady. And if there's one thing we know about Bruce Arians, he's a stubborn jackass. Is he going to adapt and let Brady run his quick game? Because when he does, and Brady kind of has full control of that, he's pretty solid. Uh, Brady's been pretty good this year. But is Arians going to make Brady stand back there and try and get those chunk plays? Yeah, probably he is. And that's not what Brady's good at at this stage of his career. And the longer he holds onto the ball, the more Chase Young, the more Ryan Kerrigan, the more um, Montez Sweat, the more those guys can get to him, it affects Tom Brady. And I think that's how you beat him at this age is with the four-man rush and you lock down the, 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 the short stuff, and you beg him to beat you deep. And I don't know if he can do that enough, um, especially on that slow track in Washington. Weather's probably going to be pretty iffy. It's not going to be in Tampa. I, I think Washington can beat the Bucs. Um, you know, it's tough to say. We don't know the whole picture right now. Um, I feel pretty confident about Seattle beating uh, the Rams, the Cardinals, or the Bears, whichever one they happen to face. Um, but yeah, you know, it's. I feel like the margin of error is so small 
in the NFC that pretty much I don't know if there will be anything that I would like I would deem an upset. Like I, I don't know if there's any potential first round matchup that I would look at and say, Yep, I feel really confident about that game. I just feel like the gap is so small, particularly in the NFC. And yeah. then in the AFC I, I think it's a little bit larger, but the AFC is gonna have a ten win team not make the playoffs this year. That's crazy. So it's gonna be fun. It is going to be fun. Um, you know, I noticed here when I look at our Super Bowl predictions from August, a glaring omission that not a single person chose the Packers, which just goes to show you what people thought about the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and so on and so forth as we came into 2020. And it's funny what one year can do to change people's minds um, about a team. Because um, now I bet if we went around the league and asked people, what's your Super Bowl prediction? Uh, I think we would get a lot of Green Bay. Um, so interesting that nobody thought that Green Bay was a very legitimate, at least not legitimate enough to pick them, Super Bowl contender as we came into 2020. And now, here we are. Things are very, very different. Uh, so I guess before we close things out here, we have the obvious question. The championship of the Hawks Nest will be resolved tonight, Monday Night Football. The Buffalo Bills are headed off to Foxborough to play the New England Patriots. Steven is currently uh, losing to Max 125.82 to 86.4. Steven has Josh Allen, he has Devin Singletary, and he has Cole Beasley all going tonight. He needs... 40 points, give or take a little bit. Take You could take a little bit, but rough, give or take a little bit. He needs 40 points from those three. Does he get it? It's a New England team that has is going to miss the playoffs for the first time in 13 years, I think, mm-hmm. 12 years, um, since the Matt Castle year, right? So, um, oh, man, it's it's – Stephon Gilmore is out for the year as well. There's game scripts where Buffalo blows out New England, and uh, that may help Devin Singletary, but hurt his his passing game. There's game scripts where you know Belichick has one last trick in him, and he well not one last trick, but one one trick left in 2020. Um, he devises some kind of game plan to to shut down Josh Allen. It's it's tough. I, I if I had to guess, I would say yes. I, I think he gets it done, but I think it's going to be really close. And I think if you look at the projections right now, uh, sleeper projects uh, Stephen to win by about five points, but he also they also give Max about a thirty three percent chance to, you know, pull the upset tonight if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's about right. I think there's pro- I would probably give Max a forty percent chance to win. I would give Steven a 60% chance to win tonight. I think he gets it done. It's going to be close, it is, man. It's going to be close. It's by no means a guarantee. Uh, so, I mean, Max is going to have to sweat this one out. Uh, Steven's going to have to sweat this one out. Um, personally, I don't care which one wins. I, I hate you both, so it doesn't really matter <laughs> to me. Um, I, I, you know, like, seriously, in terms of who I'm rooting for, I, I really don't care. Uh, both teams are deserving this year. There's really no no doubt no doubt in my mind that both teams are uh you know they both had really good years this isn't going to be one of those years where 
you know, the, I mean, we've made fun of Steven in the past about not deserving his championships and whatnot. Um, but Steven has just been from start to finish the best team, uh, 19 and seven in the regular season. Um, you know, kind of, he earned that first round by, he kind of blew right through Brian, I think in the, uh, in the, uh, semifinals. So he's put up plenty of points. It's not like he has a low point total. It's right up there among the very best in the league. Um, and Max has been, you know, really active. He stepped up his game. Max has scored more points than Steven even, kind of built this super team. He made a couple of trades that we weren't sure about that kind of worked out for him. Um, you know, he, he played right to the end of this thing. And uh, I, I think both teams are deserving uh, of that championship title. So uh, I'm, I'm relatively content with whatever happens. Um, I guess it would be nice to not have Steven win his fourth championship. We have third, no, fourth. we have no record, no official record of Steven ever winning a championship. So technically this would be number one for him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, so yeah, I, I think, um, I think it's going to be close, but I, I do think that, you know, either whoever wins this thing, I'm going to be pretty, pretty content with the result. Um, I, I think it's a deserved, uh, crown for, uh, whoever gets to wear it. So, uh, and I, at the end of the year, that's really all you can ask for. Well, so all I'll say before we close this thing out is, you know, last time that the Bills saw the Patriots, Josh Allen had his worst game of the season. He put up 10.4 fantasy points. And if you look at his uh, body of work this year, he's had he has based essentially, uh, you know, uh, I would say an underwhelming floor, but there's no ceiling. I mean, this guy can put up, he can win you a week for sure, but he could almost lose you a week too because sometimes. Uh, the points just aren't there. And, um, and especially if you're banking on a 30, 40 point bomb. So uh, as I like to put it, I know that this is maybe going to lose a little bit of its meaning given his 2020 season, but you know, Josh Allen is going to Josh Allen. And what does that mean to you? Well, it could, could mean, it could mean anything. And that's kind of the point, you know, he could be great. He could be terrible, which Josh Allen shows up tonight. It helps. Mm-hmm. Surely it helps that Gilmore is out for the year. There's no question about that. That of course that helps. Um, but really it's going to come down to, you know, what Josh Allen do we get? We need the Buffalo bills to put points on the board. If Steven is going to win. Yep. And, um, and really, I mean, yeah, if Beasley produces, that's a great, you know, if, if Allen could hit him once or twice for a touchdown score, that would help Steven's case a lot. But really, it comes down to Josh Allen. Is he going to put up... If he puts up another 10-point performance, forget about it. It's over. Yep. He needs to be productive tonight. So, right. It's it's funny that Allen could literally get the 40 points Steven needs by himself. Yep. It's totally within the realm of possibility here. Um, it's also within the realm of possibility that Allen costs Steven a, a championship. Could you imagine Steven's up by like three by some stroke of luck, but it's a shootout? Josh Allen's driving down the field and then he throws a pick <laughs> or fumbles. Uh, right. And which he's prone to do. I mean, yeah. so it's, it's, it's what you want, right? It, it's much more anticlimactic or it's much more climactic this year than last year. When I believe Monday night football literally came down to me up by 20, some 25 points on Garza. And he had Mike Boone left to start uh, for an injured, uh, for an injured uh, Dalvin Cook, so uh, it's much. It's going to be much more exciting than last year's final matchup. Um, 
But like I said, congratulations to both guys. You should be uh, pretty proud of your effort. Um, also, congratulations to Cam for avoiding the toilet bowl, uh, a.k.a. the Jamarcus. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, honestly, uh, I also want to throw a quick shout out to uh, congrats to Russian bot, man. He uh, I, I, I think we both kind of picked him, pegged him to be a, uh, a strong uh, Jamarcus winner uh, or loser. Uh, and he actually he played pretty well the last couple of weeks. I mean, he, he got the big win in, uh, you know, week 15 or something. Week uh, 14, he put up 150 points, and then last week he put up 134, and he finishes in eighth place. Um, you know, it's kind of silly how we do the – the or how Sleeper handles their uh, their playoff brackets uh, in the – uh, in the uh, toilet bowl bracket, but uh, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, Russian bot fought, fought hard toward the end, got eighth place. Garza got 10th place. I got 11th. So, haha, suck on that, guys. <laughs> Top 11. Woo. Oh, my God. So, so uh, next year, I am I, already really excited for next year. I, I, I hope we get to do the in person draft. Um, hopefully, you know, we can get back to some semblance of normalcy, um, you know, heading into, uh, heading into 2021 and uh, I'm really excited for next year already. Uh, to those of you that I'm playing fantasy basketball with, uh, congratulations on your early victories against me. Uh, no idea what I'm doing there. Uh, <laughs> to those of you who I'm going to play fantasy baseball with, which I think is actually a pretty decent chunk of you. I'm, I'm going to kick your ass this year. So uh, <laughs> be on the lookout for that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm already looking forward to next August. Uh, you know, when we hopefully can all get together and uh and have some fun because uh, i think we deserve it agreed well with that being said this is manny g the omega-3 poppy the low-key og signing off with colby patnode for the last time in 2020 uh you know don't forget to tune in monday night football tonight buffalo bills gonna you know we're gonna we're gonna see if they can get it done for stephen woods um, other than that, I'll just say, you know, Packwood 2021 and Hell go yeah. Hawks, go Hawks, go Hawks, baby. <laughs>